1: Welcome in. Uh, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Hmm. Um, There's so much happening in this market, and it's pretty dramatic. You know, uh, we have two or three days of correction, and then it rallies again. It's like, oh, Give us a good ten percent down, so we can finally get a great buying opportunity. Uh, these little twi- these little down moves just—they don't feel like they're enough for the average investor to say this market's not expensive. Which I run into. It's not me. It's it's what I run into on a regular basis. I get emails from listeners who are like, "If the market's too expensive, my son just inherited." but the market's too expensive. Okay. I get it. What am I supposed to say that, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Taking a look at the stock market on a day-by-day basis can drive you a little crazy. Yesterday, we are off the air. You know, the show ends at 9 Pacific time, right? The Fed minutes come out late in the morning, and the market rally is huge. The FOMC, the Federal Open Market Committee, the Federal Reserve, basically, our bankers, the leaders of our bankers in certain regions get together, and the market went into overdrive when they basically released minutes, which reportedly kind of, Ease some concerns about a Fed's fund rate hike happening sooner rather than later. The minutes also showed just how ridiculous things have gotten for the Fed in trying to manage its communication about forward guidance. The quote inside the minutes was, most participants favored providing an explicit indication in the statement that a new forward guidance taken as a whole did not imply a change in the committee's policy intentions on the grounds such blah, 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 blah. They don't want to forestall a misinterpretation of Ford guidance. I don't even know what that statement means. But in essence, I think what it means is they favored providing a clear-cut statement to help explain the vagueness of statements. Ugh. So the market rallied on that. And who would have known? And again, was it enough of a pullback to really help Get people thinking that the markets just needed a break? Probably not. This is a momentum market. This is a, a market that's still continuing to grind higher. Okay, momentum and grinding, probably not the same. This is a market that is intent on going higher. It's grinding higher. Maybe not momentum. Is it a market that I love? No. I like pullbacks. I like corrections. Uh, I think they're normal and healthy. <clears throat> Earnings warnings from Chevron, Bed Bath and Beyond and Family Dollar. Some weak trade data for March out of China. Uh, yeah, weak trade data for March out of China. This is the right way of saying that? It reported an 11.3 percent decline in imports, a 6.6 percent decline in exports. That's a pretty big number. Like, it, why that isn't the story in the Fed minutes are? I I, I don't know. First time unemployment claims for the week dropped by 32,000 to 300,000. It's the lowest level of initial claims since May 2007. It was better than the 325,000 expected. Continuing claims the week ending declined by 62,000 to 2.77 million. Greece managed to raise the 3 billion euros in a strongly oversubscribed bond offering. I told you about that yesterday. So they got a long-term bond offering out there. Costco reported a robust 5% increase in March same source sales. Biogen announced a positive top line efficacy and safety results from a phase three pediatric study for hemophilia. Now, again, just to be honest with you, because I like being honest, um, I don't even know what hemophilia is. Isn't that like a blood bleeding disease? Like, that's where biotechs don't confuse me, but where my strength is not. Bank of England left its key lending rate and asset purchase program unchanged. Now, okay, let's go back to biogen. Hemophilia, right? Yeah, I think it's the toughest sector for individuals to invest in because you have to kind of have a grasp of science and you have to almost have a leap of faith that phase one it helped phase two, help phase three, drug studies. Drug studies are interesting because you start on like a petri dish, Then you go to animal testing, and you eventually figure out uh, human testing, and then you hope that human testing is thorough enough and the data is correctly presented enough, and you hope that there's like, oh, I saved your hemophilia, but he grew a cancerous ear on his fingers. What? So there's a lot of science to it is sometimes not the easiest to put a finger on. Um, So be careful with biotechs. Or if you're great at biotechs, you rock. You should probably go work for a Wall Street firm. Good bit of information to take in this morning. Right? Costco, 5% increase in March same store sales. Yay! But, wait, wait, their discounter. Boo! Like... Do we want people paying full price? Do we? What do we? What does this number tell us? Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about? We can talk about um, one stock that was recently brought up. Nike got a nice upgrade, and it's interesting because I can make a case for both Nike and Under Armour. I can't really make a case for. Adidas, I could try, but it it ultimately comes back to Nike or Under Armour for me. So ultimately, I think a wise investor, the wise investor, the wise investor, um, may go after both. One's more growth momentum and one's more growth value. And that's how you have to look at a portfolio is that you don't really want nine Patrick Marlowe's, you don't really want nine Pablo Sandoval's, you don't really want nine, like, it's not going to help your team to have two similar, because then you figure out how to shut that down, and you shut it down. Bed Bath & Beyond tumbled 5.4% after predicting quarterly profit below expectations. eBay dropped 2% after reaching a deal with Carl Icahn to end his proxy fight by agreeing to add another independent director to the board. That's interesting. Rite Aid jumps fifteen percent after forecasting full-year sales that exceeded expectations. Um, so there's a lot of stories up there. Family Dollar Stores up seven tenths of percent after saying it is conducting a review to improve its business. This is dollar stores—they've um, taken business from. They haven't taken business, but they seem to have an attraction. From the Walmart customer. So they're still growing sales. Family Dollar sometimes has the right mix of products, sometimes has the wrong mix of products. Hey I got a couple of big events coming up at the end of the month on the 27th. No, no, on the 27th. Yeah, on the 27th in Burlingame. That's right. It's a Saturday event. You can sign up at robblack.com. One's for younger investors. One's for more mature investors. Sign up at robblack.com. 33
0: points, a drop of 0.8%. That's a Bloomberg market minute. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your
1: money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome back again. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money invested in more. There's some dramatic stories out there like iPhone, um, Apple. The human interface designer, Greg Christie's going to leave the company. Jonathan Ivey is going to take over Apple Software Design Group. The move arrives as Apple prepares for June's Worldwide Developers Conference, where a lot of people expect the next operating system for Macs and mobile devices to be revealed. Will there be a watch? Will there be a big screen OS? What are we looking at? We don't know. Um, I think the market is preparing for bigger screen Apple product iPhone in large part internal documents have been revealed in court in a battle against Samsung that Apple feels that they missed an opportunity um, something to think about 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air it's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air anything you want to talk about we could talk about money investing and more Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We've got the S&P 500 down 5, the Dow's down 13, the NASDAQ down 37. Welcome in, CFP Chad Burton. Some alarming statistics crossing my desk. 75% of iPhone owners will likely upgrade their current model to Apple's next-generation smartphone by the end of the year. For Americans, the average monthly cost of shopping is $736. Boomers spend on average $650 a month alone on technology. These three statistics combined tell me, wow. There's a lot of cash flow issues out there. You know, it's, it's tough to look at
2: some of the statistics that are out there and feel very positive about investing sometimes because of the demographics, because of how Americans act, even after this bubble that we've had. you got to remember that a lot of companies that you're investing in, though, are outside the U.S. in terms of revenue. They're getting a lot of their revenue from you know, emerging markets, middle classes, growing around the world. but Here's a big one, Rob, is that one of the reasons why people spend so much is because they don't know what they're spending. Seventy percent of Americans don't have a budget, and there's no excuse for that. There's absolutely no excuse because of the free tools that are out there, like Mint.com, LearnVest. I mean, all these tools that you can link your accounts to, and it will tell you what you're spending. It'll keep an eye on it for you. Most bank accounts, whether it's Wells Fargo or Credit Union, have
1: spending tracking capabilities as well. So there's no reason that you shouldn't know what you're spending. And when you know what you're spending on, you can start coming up with numbers that make a little bit more sense. For instance, um, if every four years you buy a new car, instead of getting a $50,000 car, get a $40,000 car. You start, you know, what is that, 10 times 4, you save $400,000. Like, you could save a ton of money fast if you're just smart about your decisions in your lifetime. Yeah, because you might like to drive something new. As long as it's new to you,
2: you know, why not get a car oh, that's, that's leased... You know, so there's cliches that I don't like. If it's new to you, If it's, it's new. new. To you. Yeah, it's yeah. not really new. But it, it is. I mean, you, assets like cars. Like I don't like that people have
1: driven my car. It's like pre-chewed food. I don't like it.
2: Well, it doesn't bother me because I beat up cars and have three kids, and
1: so they don't and last. It, they're they're not clean very long, so it doesn't bother me at all. Again, that's where I'm good at. it. It's silly to to idolize new cars. It, we do idolize things in the, in this country. iPhone, gotta have the new one. New car, got to have a new one. Um, I don't have a pursuit for material objects. And, again, I say that I like my my vacations to be grand, and I I splurge on my vacations. I don't splurge on my car. Yeah, because it's the memories. That's where I splurge. It's things
2: like the activities, the things that, you know, keep you balanced in life and passion. That's that's where I tend to overspend. Boating, <laughs> there's no good good way to spend on that, but it's a blast for the family. But at the same time, I'm, you know – of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, and then once they get past that point where they actually have excess income, then they end up overspending before they save. And so people are doing it backwards, Um, and they'll never get to retirement. They're going to be retiring when they're 75 or 80 years old because they're going to have to work till a a ripe old age. When you look at baby boomers right now, some of the facts that you see from AARP to Fidelity to any, you're seeing about 97% of baby boomers are, have not saved enough for retirement. Luckily though, the baby boomers, a lot of their parents were depression era people that save, 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 save. They're worth millions of dollars and they live off their social security. So there is some wealth transfer that will save probably half to 60% of these baby boomers. But after that, they're going to be relying on the system and they're going to be broke.
1: I'm with you on that. And again, The way you spend money now will shape how much you save so that you don't have to rely on the system. If you've got kids, swap with other parents' books. You don't have to go buy your kids' new books all the time. Just swap with other parents. Swap toys because, again, it's new to them. They they don't know any difference. I don't remember much. I don't remember anything before age six.
2: Yeah, well, you're seeing that too. And, um, uh, you know, if you like to shop a lot, and it's the same thing – there's a, there's a um, LearnVest.com is a site that you and I have talked about before. Sure. It's kind of um, financial planning for women by women type of a site. And they talk about things like clothing swaps rather than go out and hit the sales and spend money that you could be putting into your 401k. If you have $1,000 that goes into your 401k, you'll save $300 on taxes and you'll have $1,000 working for you. If you take you earn a $1,000, you have $700 left after you pay taxes to go shopping with. So it's you got to think about you know, who's getting your money? Is it your saving,
1: or is it your what retailer? Do you think, what do you think about reusing toothpaste?
2: Reusing toothpaste? What do you do? How do you, how do you, how do you solidify it again, Rob? You
1: don't. You, know, you just spit it out in the cup, and then you use it the next night. I think that's a horrible idea. With what? that said, you, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. It's NewFocusFinancial.com. I, I like the idea. I'm Rob Black. So... There's a lot of stories out there about Generation Y, the millennials, what they spend on, what they don't. They're a very um, Wall Street-friendly group, Uh, just that whole 18 to 35 demographic. They're a television-friendly group, you know, advertising. We don't really care to advertise on 60 Minutes because it's 65-year-old people watching. 65-year-old people aren't big spenders. So we pay a lot of attention to millennials. And a large swath of them is are coming into earning times. There's the 18 to 25. Where they're really not the big earners. 25 to 35 are. So McDonald's, they're a fast food chain. <clears throat> they're in flux. They're trying to draw towards those millennials. And how they do it, They're going back to basics, a simpler menu. They're really focusing on trying to become a coffee shop, a lot like Starbucks is, where, hey, let's meet at the local corner coffee place. On top of that, like, just to show you how the millennials are so attractive, Walmart's offering more and more organics, and they're going to try to price them roughly 25% cheaper than current organic products because millennials care about that. I'm Rob Black. Big event coming up at the end of the month in Burlingame. It's a Saturday event. It's an all-day event. You can sign up at robblack.com.
0: Rob Black has a financial interest in the success of New Focus Financial. AM 1220,
1: KDOW traffic.
3: Major delays in San Francisco in this report brought to you by the TJ March-
4: You're listening to Rob Black and your money. On AM
0: 1220
1: KDOW. Thanks for listening to Rob Black in Your Money a show, kind of dedicated to giving you to retirement. I think that's kind of what it's evolved into. Let's bring in Deborah Borchart, markets analyst on air, reporter for TheStreet.com. How are you, Deborah? Deborah. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Good. Um, so you're the market analyst, on air reporter for the street.com. It's earnings season, which is a pretty exciting time of the year. We get the report card on earnings every four times a year, th- every three months, every 90 days or so. Uh, what are we looking at this earnings season? Well,
3: pretty- interesting because for the first quarter, we're seeing analysts cut their estimates a lot, and we're really at an all-time high for the amount of estimate cutting we've been seeing for the first quarter. Now, that isn't to say that the companies are going to make those lower numbers. Sometimes they like to under-promise and then over-deliver, but we've also been seeing a real shift this week in the market, and, and it's been kind of you know going on since last week We're people are shifting out of these uh, riskier groups like the biotech and some of the momentum names. And you see that mostly in the NASDAQ. And the NASDAQ is once again down quite a bit this morning versus the S&P 500 and the Dow. So we're seeing people in the market not feeling very uh, motivated to be in these risky areas. You're seeing a lot of movement now in the utility side of the market, much safer, great steady dividends, and and so it's been kind of interesting to see what what's going on. And like I said, we're seeing that again today, those momentum names like Facebook and LinkedIn and Tesla are all down, and that NASDAQ biotech ETF, which has been just really getting beat up, is also down another 2% today. So really, um, you're really definitely seeing people shifting to a safer side of the market. So
1: let's talk a little bit about that in, in a little bit more detail. Facebook, Tesla, LinkedIn, if you've owned them for a year, you're the happiest investor on the planet. If you've owned them for a month, you're depressed. Um, isn't this just a correction internally? I think your boss, Jim Cramer, has is, is mentioned on CNBC that this is just kind of like um, take out the woodshed what instead of the whole market, some sectors that have done really well.
3: There is probably some truth to that with the profit-taking. You're right. Uh, some of these names have moved, like like Tesla, has moved tremendously. So um, portfolio managers investors are saying, you know what, I'm happy with the move I've made. I'm not feeling very comfortable with the overall market, so I will take that off the table right now and wait and see where this goes. There's a lot of waiting and seeing going on where, where people are not, Real convinced that this market is going to move much higher. Uh, a reason for that is stocks hitting all-time highs is happening less and less. So you're you're starting to see some deterioration within the market, and because of that, that's what's making people feel less risk, uh, re- less motivated to be in these riskier areas. Okay. So,
1: at the same time, you said there's a shift into utilities and maybe more value stocks in your uh, reading of the tea leaves. is that a good thing that we're still finding reasons to be in the market and we're not jumping out of the market there's no well,
3: you know the utilities in- underperformed last year and yeah. and for a reason last year, the market was up tremendously, so it made no sense to be in you know a widows and orphans group, which is is utilities. So they did not do very well that last year. So far this year, they're already up nine percent. Now the utility sector to be up nine percent while the Dow is essentially flat and the S and P 500 is barely up one percent is very telling. When you when you look at it that way, you find, you start to think, okay, what's going on here? And you definitely have a feeling that people are saying, you know what? I'm good, I did really well last year, I'm going to go over to the safe side right now until I know which way this market's going to go. And if we start to have a fairly poor first quarter, then I think you you will see that sell in May and go away take hold. I mean, we're already midway through April. I I just don't think there's going to be a lot of appetite to want to be in this market uh, very much through the summer.
1: And last summer was glorious. This summer, not so glorious, maybe. Um,
3: yeah, the people that sold in in May got their hats handed to them. They they definitely missed a lot of market move. But again, this market has been very volatile. We've been back and forth, and it it just does. It, the feeling is not very good.
1: And yet, economically speaking, the feeling seems to be that we're going to pick up jobs throughout the year. Jobs equals Paychecks, paychecks equal economic spending, economic spending equals healthy stock market. Is there, I don't know, are you reading, really, do you see where I'm trying to open? The
3: I actually do. And so I think that that's why, and you point out a really interesting thing here, and, and that's where are we spending the money? So if we've got money, where are we spending it? Um, we know that car sales had been really good for the last few years, and so the question is, have we, have we replaced all our old cars? or are, are we going to start to see those things pull back? Um, you saw earnings this morning with Bed Bath & Beyond where they did not do that well, so they're getting beat up. But Rite Aid, they had very good earnings, so you're starting to, to see kind of a a disconnect or a divergence between the retailers that have figured it out and the retailers that have have not. And that's it's it's very difficult to say, okay, retail's going to do great. I don't think you can say that going into this market. I think you're going to really have to look at the ones that are really pulling the customers in. It's not going to be an across the board. Retail is going to have a good season
1: Let's talk a little bit about the difference From where you are versus where I am I'm on the west coast Google, Facebook, Tesla, Twitter, Cisco, Yahoo All are thriving in some speak You're on Wall Street Literally on Wall Street At the street a Market analyst, Debra Borchardt What's the feeling like in the capital markets? What's the feeling like in, in Wall Street capitalism right now?
3: Real good point, you know, it was out on the west coast not long ago and I okay. I would agree with you. It was it was booming. I was in San Francisco, it was almost Great. jarring to see yeah. the feel free to move some here. Of the wealth with some of the, the ages of these people. It was like, Fair Are enough. you kidding me? I I could, you know, wipe your diapers and and you are driving around in this half a million dollar car. Versus Wall Street, which the financial sector has, has divested jobs an, an ungodly amount. Um, they're selling off buildings or they're cutting back. On the venture cap side, what's, what's been kind of interesting about New York City, and I can't say the whole Northeast, but New York City has really started to experience a similar kind of Silicon Valley tech boom. And I think that that's where you're going to see a lot of that investing. Um, It's going into these up-and-coming tech companies, and there's still a lot of money out there. I I feel like these venture cap guys figure, you know what? It's not going to cost me that much money in my overall portfolio to throw five million dollars at this up-and-coming tech company. If it pays off, it could pay off big. If they get bought out by someone. If Google buys them, if Facebook buys them, if Apple buys you know, all these companies have a lot of cash. If they buy them, Amazon buys them, I'm going to make out like a bandit. So I, I feel like they're, these venture cap guys, these private equity guys are happy to, to throw a lot of money at all these up-and-coming tech companies because the potential for it to pay off is very high versus what they would lose. There's a lot else? of money floating out there.
1: There is, and from what I've heard, it takes one venture capital deal out of ten to break even. So they don't have to hit home runs every single time. They can fail a lot. Exactly. Anything else exactly. that you feel we should chat about? We've got about a minute or two.
3: I think that that's um, – and I also think it, it helps some of these companies because they'll get a press release moment where they say, oh, uh, Norwest Ventures gave me $5 million, so that shows my credibility. There you go. Eh, maybe not. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think that for many of them, they throw a lot at the wall and hope that one of them sticks.
1: Deborah, I super appreciate you coming on and especially the commentary about changing the young kids' diapers out here on the West Coast. Because as a guy who came here in his 30s, it was intimidating. A lot of smart young people, good looking people. And then we had our recession, tech of recession. They all went home, but they're all back again. So very intimidating. Um, thanks for joining me. Thank you. That's Deborah Borchark, markets analyst, on-air reporter at dot com. I think there's probably five sites out there that call financial news and opinion really well. You could go with Wall Street Journal. You can go to the New York Times. Then you get to Briefing.com. Next up, Bloomberg. And then right there, the street dot com. They're doing a great job of cooling information. And there's analysts like Deborah Chart, who she was a real Wall Street analyst and she's now doing reporting and she's I hate to use a, a term that's quaint. She's she's lovely. Her commentary about coming out to San Francisco and seeing these young kids driving half a million dollar cars and like she changed their diaper. Maybe she's a mom, maybe she's not. I don't even want to go there. But it's, it's good reporting. It's good perspective. We just talked earnings. I will cut this up. I will put it on the podcast. I will distribute it in Facebook, YouTube. I will throw it out there to Twitter. You can sign up for all that at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, Facebook group page. I hate Rob Black. But, again, that's Debra Portchart, market analyst, on-air reporter, thestreet.com. 800 516 1220. If anyone wants to get a call on the show, I'd like it. I like the human interaction. 800 516 1220. Go ahead and tell Siri, dial 800 516 1220. And uh, you two can jump on the show. Speaking of Siri, Roadmap for Apple, according to one analyst, Ning Chi Koi, at KGI Securities, um, She released a pretty interesting product lineup. It's a lovely, lovely chart. A 4.7-inch and 5.5-inch iPhone is expected. Probably first quarter 2015, new 4.7-inch phone, third quarter 2014. Uh, At that same event, an iWatch in two sizes, Um, presumably one for men and one for women. A MacBook in a new slimmer design. The analyst, Wee uh, is also calling for, I'm sorry, Ming-Chi is also calling for an Apple update to the Apple TV. There's talk of getting an App Store and motion control like an Xbox Connect. It looks like it's going to be an insanely busy second half of the year for Apple, Um Again, some of this may push into early 2015, but an iPhone 5S size update, a new design iPhone, an iPad 5, an iPad mini 2, a MacBook Air, a Retina MacBook Pro, some of these are refreshes: a Mac Mini and iMac, a modified iPod Touch 5. It's fun to think of the world of iPods, right? Like, why doesn't have a phone feature? An iPod Nano refresh. Um, it looks like it's gonna be a busy as hell second half of the year, and that's the easiest way for me to say that. Okay, Kelly Porter. A managing partner at investment bank, Woodside Capital Partners. Spent seven years and millions of dollars renovating his Tudor-style home. I always freak out at guys named Kelly. Something's just not right about it in my mind. Um, he put his home on the market for $27 million. Now you're like, wow, it's gorgeous, it's lovely, it's Tudor-style. It's got lovely gardens. It's got everything in Los Altos Hills. But what's fascinating about this is he once put it on the market for forty-five million dollars in two thousand eight. He chopped the price down to thirty-six million dollars, and now it's all the way down to twenty-seven million. So, what was once forty-five million now twenty-seven million? What do you get for twenty-seven million dollars? Well, you get thirty thousand square feet. Um, it was a landmark. Um, it was nineteen fourteen Stanford University trustee Percy Morgan. You know, formerly owned. Seven bedrooms and seven baths. Seven bedrooms and seven bathrooms for only $27 million. It too can be yours. Oh, wait, 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 wait. There's a speakeasy hidden behind a false shelf in the library. That's pretty cool. And it has a ballroom. That too is pretty cool. With that said, I'm not all about that kind of gaudy. Wouldn't it be nice if you had that kind of money and you didn't like to be all that kind of gaudy? There has to be people out there. Big story out there today. Jonathan Iver, Apple chief designer, could probably have me killed. Um, Steve Jobs was his spiritual partner. He's gaining more and more authority over the look of the company's products. He's taken down Greg Christie, who led software design. Apple CEO Tim Cook has turned to Ivy to set the overall design aesthetic for products, from the shape of the hardware to the look of the screen icons. Ivy's first major influence on Apple software was last seen in the introduction of iOS 7, which featured brighter colors. and eliminated many of the realistic designs for applications, such as wooden bookshelves and notepads. Now, Christy, he was famous for a lot of patents, he had been planning to retire, but it looks like he's been kind of pushed out. Um, Chrissy also gave a speech, not a speech, but he, he spoke at the Samsung trial this week, which again is still on. Still on like Donkey Kong, right? The SP 500 is down 7, the Dow down 28, the NASDAQ down 48. Um, we're getting into earnings season and we're starting to get some earnings warnings. And I spoke with Deborah Borchart in the last segment about how that may play out on wall street. And I'll post that interview later today at Facebook, Cron for Rob black, uh, Twitter, Rob black show. Or you can always go to Katie, to beat up biz and get a you know a podcast, of the show, you know, flash forward to that third segment. Um, always a good idea to upgrade your knowledge base on what could happen. You know, the Greek auction of 3 billion euros, its first debt sale in four years, tells you that Greece is going to be okay. It may not be great, it may stink, but they're not going down the rat hole. Biotech names, momentum names, very volatile today. Consumer Staples, Energy, Telco, Utilities, all doing well. We'll take a break here. will be right back. You're with Rob Black, Your Money. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, thanks for listening to the show. Sometimes, well, like today, Thursdays, I sit in for New Focus on Wealth, and I do a dual kind of performance, Um, not necessarily talking about market numbers, more so talking about financial wealth and how to get there and what that even means. One of the things I find myself doing that I hate is website updates tied towards passwords, I have probably what, and I guess we all do, 20 to 30 accounts out there in the virtual world that we have names and passwords tied towards. And we recently heard about the heart bleed virus or the Heartbleed security failure. One of the more important things I could advise you on is don't waste time. If there's one lesson if there's two lessons that I go back on to that you know helped me create financial wealth, it was that network uh, really well and force yourself to drop an email to an old coworker once a year. So put somewhere in your email box old coworkers or network. Um, I think that'll help you enormously. But on top of it is don't waste time. We all have time wasters. I consider Facebook to be America's number one time waster. Because ultimately, I really don't care. If I did, I probably would have picked up the phone. And yet, I'll find myself checking up on you. Um, And I'm guilty of this. Like, I've got a Facebook business page called uh, Cron 4 Rob Black. Cron 4 Rob Black. Or a fan page called I Hate Rob Black. Someone will sign up for it, and I'll go, ooh, let's take a look at them. And I'll start, like, browsing your life, you know, what you'll show me and what you won't. And let's put it this way. If you're good-looking in Hawaii, I'm like, ooh, they're good-looking in Hawaii. Um, Or, ooh, good-looking in Thailand. Very fun. And the next thing you know, five, ten minutes have gone by where I'm looking at your – Very good-looking photos in Thailand. I'm like, eh, what did I just do? I wasted time. So to stop wasting time is one of the bigger pieces of advice I can give. Networking is one of the bigger pieces to succeed in life. One of the areas that I do religiously is every 90 days I change my passwords. And I've got a pretty complicated system for passwords. I use a couple of letters on a regular basis, tied towards capitalization, not capitalization. I use some addresses, and then I mix in one more thing, like maybe old job histories. And it's pretty easy for me to remember, because I set it up in kind of a an order, but every 90 days I change passwords, because I don't want to go through the process of being hacked. I don't want to go through the process of, you know, finding out, like, whoops, uh, I'm out of money. So there was a big Heartbleed issue that everyone who's been online in the last two years who thought they were signing into a secure site, everyone should change their password today if they have it. We should have a national, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is where I am as running for president of the United States. If I ever ran for president of the United States, I'd make some common sense things. I would make a four times a year national change of password day. Um, I would make mandatory 401Ks. I would make mandatory savings. Because, let's face it, Social Security is not going to be enough. If you could do a two-step verification in changing your password, I think that's fantastic. Um, With any of my online banks or online mortgage relationships, I make sure that they'll send me a text message via the phone if possible. Because... When, and I've I've had this happen recently, Google will email me and say, hey, someone tried to log into your account in Philadelphia. And they know that I've never logged in in Philadelphia, so it throws up a flag. Or someone in the Philippines tried to log into your account. So they they text me and say, is this you? Pretty easy to shut that down. So try to do that. One thing that I'm not a big fan of is public Wi-Fi networks. I just don't think people are realistic enough that that's a problem. So I turn off automatically logging into such networks. Um, I think that you're at a restaurant, you're at an airport, it's convenient. Hell, use my, use my data plan on my phone. I don't need a Wi-Fi free, freebie. And monitor your activity. On Gmail, for instance, there's a small details button at the bottom of your inbox to report complete with time stamps. It has a report with maps and IP addresses. If it doesn't match up to your usage, you can change your password. And again, I'm just trying to save you time. But then again, also I want you to look at your life and say, where else can I save time? Um, I like baseball as a time killer. I don't like baseball as productivity. If you stop and make a commitment to watching a sports game, you're losing a large chunk of your day, in my opinion. Just be cognizant of that. Did you accomplish everything that you wanted to accomplish today? And if not, you know, change things. Um, I think that's just almost obvious at this point in time. So let's talk about some money lessons a lot of people were affected by childhood poverty or their grandfather lost the farm. And the way I heard someone recently say, don't you view yourself as a teenager, even though you're an adult now? Don't you still kind of see yourself as that person? And I think it's, it's a pretty fascinating thought. And I think money-wise, that happens a lot, too, is we were shaped at an early age of of what we're going to interact with money like for the foreseeable future. Uh, You don't have to be wealthy to get rich is the number one story out there as far as your past doesn't have to dedicate your future. Um, People who are simple, people who are frugal, save a lot of money. So having that background of, you know, poverty helps some people. Investing for the long run pays off. A lot of millionaires out there will tell you that you know, they consistently beat inflation by favoring well-known blue-chip-type companies. 3M, General Foods, Heinz, they pay dividends, so your money works for you when you're not at work, when you're watching the ball game. Um, starting early, obviously, is how you will create enough money to bequeath to others. Great word, bequeath, right? Uh, 10000 grew to $100,000 in 30 years with an 8% annual return, which is typical long-term gain for stocks over the last 100 years. In 40 years, that $10,000 $10, would be $200,000, not 100000 In 50 years, that $10,000 would be $500,000. You can't really control how long you live, so get started early, right? I do want people to enjoy money. That's one of the things I don't talk about enough on the show. But I want it to be part of a plan and not part of an impulse. Because I think a lot of Americans are going to retire into poverty because they were too impulsive with their spending. Got a big event coming up in Burlingame, April 26th. 20 Steps to Financial Freedom. You can sign up for it at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Twenty
2: KDOW.
0: It's
4: about time. I'm on a tire. No, 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 no. It's about time. It's about time. Visit Rob Black online at RobBlack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
1: 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. I'm Rob Black. Talking about wealth. That's kind of what this hour is all about. Talking about wealth. I could talk headlines, but eBay and activist Carl Investor settle a proxy fight. Eh. Adding another board member. Again, that teaches us boards are important. It, it, you have to focus on You have to think that way. When you own a publicly traded company, there's a board of directors, and you look at them, and you can see their past success or failure. Now, I feel, and I I think others do as well, that boards can become incestuous at times, not helping investors, and they are designed to help investors. Hey, it's tax time. Hey, everybody, it's tax time. 800-516-1220 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Let's take a quick look at the market numbers. We have the Dow, and this is kind of interesting. We're in a market right now that the S and p 500 is down 12, Dow down 58, the NASDAQ down 65. Let's welcome in CFP, Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's do an email. If you want to email a question to be on the air. Send the email, chad at newfocusfinancial.com. This one comes to us from, I think, Ron. I'm selling my primary residence for $700,000, purchased it for 250000 After my $250,000 exemption, do I pay to, on the capital gains on the sales amount or on the proceeds minus the selling that he invested into it?
2: Yeah, I think he had another question about an IRS tax
1: lien on the home, too. Yeah, that's complicated.
2: Yeah, I mean, in that kind of a scenario, if you've got anything to do with IRS tax lien and maybe you have some sort of circumstance that could result in maybe a reduction in taxes that you owe, something like that, you need to work with a uh, CPA and probably an attorney as well. But the way it works is when you sell a home and you've lived in it for more than two out of the last five years, you can get, as a single person, $250,000 exemption and then you pay the taxes on. So So what happens is, You've got the sales costs that reduces the amount that you've sold it for essentially okay so you're 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 paying the difference on the net minus the two fifty that you get the exclusion for free. The rest you're paying federal capital gains and state income tax on.
1: What if he put like in this case, what if he put like five hundred thousand dollars down on the house? Are you paying taxes on that?
2: No, you're not paying taxes on your cost basis, cost and based. as long as you've lived in it for two of the last five years, you're not paying taxes on 250 if you're single, or 500,000 if you're married.
1: I hate seeing these scenarios
2: because that's it's, that's all his assets. You can kind of tell by the the email that
1: all wants, of his net worth for retirement is tied up in that home, and he wants to make it go as far as possible. So email, chat at newfocusfinancial.com. Next email comes to us from Randy. I'm 64 years old. My wife is 60. Congratulations on marrying a younger woman. <laughs> We both plan on working another six years till I'm 70, until my wife is 66. I could do the math, Ron, Randy. We've got longevity in our families. What's the best strategy for maximizing Social Security benefits?
2: Now that's a great question because you have two situations. You have two people that are working, and you have an age difference. So maximizing Social Security is a key, and it can actually result, especially if you have longevity in your family, 100 to 300 thousand dollars extra in Social Security over a long period of time of 25, you know, 20 to 30 years.
4: So one of the strategies
2: that they might consider is that when one person retires, they can file and suspend their own benefits. That makes your spouse eligible for spousal benefits. So it, I would have to run that software that analy- that maximizes Social Security, but w- he might want to file and suspend his. She could take a spousal benefit until she turns 70. She could turn her own benefit on, and then he could take his benefit at 70. And that actually gets a lot of money out. And you've got to remember in a spousal situation, in, in a married couple – When one person passes away, the small check goes away, and the surviving spouse keeps the larger check. So maximizing Social Security, especially when you have longevity in your family, is very important.
1: Quick question. How much more can you earn, and you can answer this either in percentages or dollars, by delaying five, six, seven, eight years of taking? It's about an 8% return. So if you take it at
2: 62, it's about a 32% reduction than taking it at your full retirement age. And if you're still working between 62 and your full retirement age, which is over 66 now for most people, um, you get dinged by Social Security. They actually take money away from you and tax it. Uh, so it's, it's, when you're looking at the alternative to say, well, should I you know, delay Social Security and live off some of my cash or my bonds, it's usually a better return right now to
1: delay your Social Security if you have longevity. Gotcha. Got another email. You can drop an email to chad at newfocusfinancial.com. It's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. Why do all the calculators refer to the need for 70% of your income as the number you will need to retire? Are they considering pre-tax or after-tax when they refer to this 70% number?
2: Basically, what they're referring to is rules of thumb that were created in the 80s. In the 80s. This is when, you know, back then, based on where people's income was... Versus how much the average family received in Social Security at age 65. If you had enough to replace 70% of your income, plus you had Social Security, then you're made whole. That's not the case anymore. We've had really not much wage inflation at all. So that's a horrible rule of thumb. A lot of people spend more money in the first five years of retirement, like I've talked about before, because they're doing all the things that they couldn't do when they were working. So retirement planning, especially within your five to ten years, is very important to do very detailed cash flow projections. How much are you really going to spend? What's going to get you out of bed and motivate you to get out of bed in retirement? What are you passionate about? Your hobbies? And really make a clear list about those as you try to stick with that too. Yeah. You've got to monitor it each year. You got to say, how much did I spend versus what I projected? How did my portfolio do versus what I projected? Am I on track to be able to do a raise to keep up with inflation?
1: I imagine my video game expenditures will go up when I retire because I've been delaying playing video games for so many years that I'm going to want to catch up. Yeah, and then your ibuprofen costs are going to go up from the arthritis in your thumbs from playing video games. That's oh, so oh, not that why I have arthritis in my thumbs. <laughs>
2: I don't want to know why you have arthritis in your thumbs, then.
1: Drop him an email, chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. AT&T in the news today. They're in advanced talks to bring speeds of up to 1 gigabit per second to six North Carolina cities, or about 10 times faster than current options. This is because Google said, and I'm not saying this is because, but this is why we like competition. Google said in February that they were eyeing North Carolina amongst a dozen other municipalities where it wants to expand its fiber network. Now, Verizon, for their part, has invested billions of dollars of upgrading their overall fiber, all fiber optic fiber to the street network. Um, They've signed up millions of customers for broadband and television during the process. Um, I like the idea, right? So Comcast and Time Warner, will they be able to merge? They say that they don't compete in the same territory, and they don't. But they are competing with AT&Ts and the Verizons and the Googles of the world. It's fun to watch. You can find me online at robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Twitter me, robblackshow.
4: to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW and iHeart Radio Station. Look
1: at the calendar, ladies and gentlemen. It's five days till tax time. Joining me now from the IRS, Rafael Tolino. Rafael, how are you today?
4: Hey, Rob, doing good. You? Good.
1: Um, Is IRS all crazy this time of year, or is it business as usual?
4: Uh, Mostly business as usual, but we do get... Uh, quite a bit of volume of tax returns, obviously, between January and April. So for a, for a chunk of us, I suppose, uh, in the agency, yeah, lots of busy work as opposed to from April to December. But for a big chunk of the agency, uh, to be quite honest, a lot of folks are working cases and doing things. So uh, really the work is steady all year round.
1: It's interesting. From a consumer side of the fence, you still have time to affect changes in your 2013 tax year. So we can literally go back in time and change our taxable income status from 2013. Some of those include, you know, funding an IRA. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about going back in time last second before you file.
4: Well, yeah, that is pretty much it in terms of trying to reduce your taxes. And if you want to contribute to an IRA, uh, the one thing I always say is if you do it now, because you do have that window from January to April to actually choose to go a year back or the current year, so make sure you tell your financial institution what year you're making your contribution for, uh, the maximum amount is $6,500. It's an extra $1,000 if you're 50 and older, or $5,500. And then it depends on your income, uh, your filing status, married or not. And then if you contribute to another plan, such as maybe a pension plan, a kind of 401k, in terms of the income levels that you have uh, in order to deduct it or not. In other words, if you make too much money or are involved in other uh, things like that, then you may not find a deduction for your contribution to an IRA. But, yes, you still can do so with five days left, and uh, other than that, if you can't get it done, take the extension of time, which gives you through October 15th, and it's easy to request it two ways electronically or um, the paper form 4868, which is a really short little uh, quarter-page kind of form. It takes you two minutes to fill out and mail-in.
1: There's no hiding from the IRS over time if you don't file a return. Do file the extension because the IRS will eventually figure out you didn't file a return, and they're going to come after you and... They're not a very forgiving organization as far as you can't say, whoops.
4: Um, Well, I mean, first of all, you have to have a filing requirement. So, for example, for the last several weeks, we've taken calls on the radio from listeners and such. A lot of folks don't have a filing requirement, and those being, for example, senior citizens with Social Security, maybe a small pension. They don't meet the requirement. They don't have to. If you don't, on the other hand, uh, have Social Security, but you don't meet the requirement to file a return, by law, in terms of the amount of money you make based on your filing status, then you don't have to file a return. But maybe you should. If you have a part-time job. You're going to miss out on a deduction or a tax credit that can bring you a refund. And you should file. Uh, but certainly if you have a requirement, it's a good idea to just take care of your business and move on. The thing to say about that is uh, I guess we, we realize the IRS did or does uh, for the last three, four years. That the economy took a turn, so we, we have a lot of flexibility to help you if you are filing and you owe and you can't full pay. Do file the return. Do pay something. Uh, let's work out an installment agreement where you can pay over time, for example, uh, to take care of your obligation going forward because the penalty to file, I mean the penalty for not filing the return with a balance due is much greater than filing the return and not full paying. And so and that's kind of an important note.
1: I have a friend that she sold a bunch of stock to refinance uh, to remodel her kitchen. And she didn't realize that there was a taxable event there. And I guess she wasn't paying attention to the statements that came in from Morgan Stanley. Next thing you know, the IRS says, Hey, you sold a hundred thousand dollars. us capital gains tax. And I was like, just contact them and get on an installment plan. It's, it's a fairly cheap loan. It's not incredibly cheap, but it's fairly cheap. And it's a pretty easy thing. And it, I took some stress off of Raphael because I think the IRS is incredibly easy to work with. A lot of people kind of perceive it the other way, but it's pretty easy to work out a payment plan that won't bankrupt you, that won't stress you. Yeah, and
4: and you mentioned that you can do that online automatically up to $50,000 if your debt or your obligation, I should say, however you want to phrase it. Is less than that. You can set it online automatically at IRS.gov. So you can go to IRS.gov and take a look there. And that was increased from twenty-five to fifty thousand as part of that flexibility that we offered from, uh, uh, you know, from the uh, three, four years ago, seeing the downturn in the economy, so to speak. Uh, so, that flexibility is there. And your friend, perhaps she increased the base in her home with her kitchen, at least, right?
1: There you go. Always finding yeah. the positives. Right. Anything else that we need to know? Um, how about the, one piece of advice that I tend to give out is I don't have tax answers. I, I'm always telling people, call the IRS 800-1040-TAX. Uh, What's the 800 number that people can call and get questions and answers done?
4: Uh, good point. The, the, the best place to go, and I'll give that number out first, And let me give you my disclaimer, is IRS.gov. If you try the website first, so okay. lots of information, uh, self-service tools things along the lines where it might be available for you online as opposed to calling, because if you call, chances are you're going to be waiting a little bit, okay. uh, depending on when you call, and especially now, obviously, on April 10th, yeah. 11th, 12th, last weekend as we make our way to the 15th because of the amount of volume and because we are um, uh, just trying to handle as many calls as we can without the folks to do it uh, as much as we've had in the past. So uh, certainly try IRS.gov first. If you have to call, by all means, it's one 800 829-1040, or tax, T-A-X, 1040 on your phone. Uh, but do check IRS.gov first. And then uh, if you need to call, by all means, if you need to visit an office, there are several up there in the Bay Area uh, where you can get tax help face-to-face from uh, a tax uh, assistance person uh, at the IRS. But try our IRS.gov first. That uh, may save you a lot of time.
1: I recently got an email from an investor who basically had bought a foreign oil play and he got a taxable event that he wasn't expecting last week. Uh, so he got another form uh, that he has to file with the IRS. He's already filed. What's the process of, like, reopening your, your filing and saying, whoops, here's a little bit more information for you?
4: Yeah, uh, if you have, uh, if you forgot some income, such as, your example there, or you realize you missed on a deduction of credit, you can go back and file an amended return, which okay. is 1040X. And a 1040X can only be filed by paper. And I suppose the, I guess the general rule there is, do let your return process, your regular return, let it process, get your refund, make your payment, and then get and file the 1040X. So don't file twice, for example. Wait until everything goes through, file that 1040X, put your information on there and then go from there, uh, especially considering as we approach approach the deadline here, uh, the next five days you're going to have a lot of volume coming in from regular returns, right, regular 1040s. Sure. So wait a little bit and then take care of that uh, as we get past the deadline.
1: Anything else you want to throw out there? I'm speaking with Rafael Tolino uh, with the IRS, Uh, good guy. Anything else that you want to throw in?
4: Uh, I suppose the one thing is uh, to uh, take some time and don't panic and file an inaccurate return, right? Gather your papers, avoid some last-minute errors, get to a computer, e-file, choose free file. If you can get free tax preparation, that's not a bad idea. IRS.gov free file, you can file for free a federal income tax return. You can check that out. Uh, The other thing to mention is the IRS is not going to call you out of the blue, and this is a scam that's evolved. It's quite bad, nasty we're not going to call you out of the blue demanding you pay taxes out on a prepaid debit card. That is a scammer calling you, using the IRS as a lure, as the carrot to get you to comply and send money a certain way. Prepaid debit card is the most common. We've heard wire transfer or credit card. And then the caller, at least the scam, gets insulting or threatening. They threaten arrest or deportation or revocation of a business license. And they have all kinds of nuances to make it believable. But if I can jump up and down here on the radio and you can see me, we are not making that call out of the blue to you, demanding taxes paid a certain way, nor are we sending you an email, uh that's saying, hey, you've got a refund or a probe or you're under investigation. Please click on this link and provide personal and true information and on and on, and on. So just, just be careful as we make our way through here that the scammers are out there, but the IRS is not initiating contact. And, Rob, you know how we initiate contact first with taxpayers, right? Mail. Letter in the mail, yeah, letter in the mail. That's, uh, it's that's pretty you know, a pretty recognizable piece of real letter mail. A real mail. And if you ignore all those letters that come your way, if you have an like, obligation, that somewhere down the line you might get a phone call, but not out of the blue, and certainly not insulting and unprofessional. Of some of these scamming calls I've heard, be.
1: We've got a quick minute. Um, you talked about free filing. Who uh, who is good for the free filing?
4: So free file is available to everybody. But to get the software part of it, at IRS.gov, it's a it's a partnership between the IRS and 14 software companies. So, okay, you go to what's the, what sorry, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, tell me, tell me more.
4: Oh yeah, you, so you go to IRS.gov. Sorry, you hit free file on the link and check it out. It, it's a partnership, like I said, between IRS and and private industry software. Your key for using the software, which most of, most folks know, software holds your hand all the way through it kind of thing, is, uh, $58,000 or less of tax, of income, AGI, right? Okay. So if you have $58,000 or less, you can use it to file a federal income tax return for free. Use IRS.gov as a portal to get in. There's also a fillable forms feature, which doesn't matter what your income is, you can use it, but it's a little more for those who know their way around a 1040. You don't get the software hand holding. You do get the support and the ability to fill out the forms and all that, but you're kind of entering that information yourself as opposed to the software, asking you questions and holding your hand all the way through it. And so, uh, like I say, if you're butting up against a deadline here, do use Free File. Use FreeFile to file an extension, but uh, check it out. It's there, and, in fact, it's there all the way through October 15th.
1: Thanks very much. It's Rafael Tolino with the IRS. It's five days till tax day. Make sure you get this done. It is something you do not want to not do. Um, the IRS isn't that tough to work with Again, 800 tax forty if you have questions They've got a great website If you have back taxes They're eventually going to figure it out and get them uh, Time to make things right Time to make things right Thanks very much for listening You're This list is Rob Black and Your Money uh, I'm sitting in for Well, I'm just Rob Black We'll take a break here, we'll be right back Thanks for listening to the show. I wildly appreciate the audience. I get you people because I see myself as that person. Yes, 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 I'm worth a lot of money. And yes, 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 I've done well in my life. I'm not going to apologize for that. I sacrificed all of my 20s for that. While you were off getting married, while you were off going to Thailand, I was working my butt off. And I created a brand, and I did well with it. I used to manage billions of dollars Um, as an investment advisor. I gave that up. So, yeah, I still have my toe in the business. I still have my, you know, I still sense what's happening in the financial world. I know good versus bad. I know, for instance, you don't really, really want to get an insurance person involved in investments because they make a lot of money. I know people that used to be in that business that left that business because the product's bad. I know people that are in that business that sell that product that they believe it's good, and that's unfortunate. Um. So recently, there was a, a teenage kid who took a knife and slashed students at his school. He was a good student. He was shy. Uh, He may have been teased, but he showed no outward signs of unhappiness. When I hear stories like that, I mean, my heart goes out to all parents. All parents. Because I think we live in a weird time. I think there's absolute horror going on in our our lives on a day-by-day basis. And it's tough to hide from. So my community, I mean, some kid brought a, a, a sword to high school. What's on his mind? and? I I guess what I'm trying to get at is as parents there's there's an enormous amount of pressure on you. You have to get your kid to college, hopefully. And if you don't, are you a bad parent? I kind of think in this type of economy you are or you have to get them a great trade school. You know, yesterday on the show an economist basically said, you know, one of the better degrees out there is becoming like a, a mechanic for trucks. As far as how much it will cost you versus what sort of reward you get, I'm not money-driven. I'm lifestyle-driven. I, I think poverty is something that we should all try to avoid. Now, again, I, I don't even want to go to Thailand, but I gave it up in my 20s so I could be successful. You have to make some choices. So one of the, things you have to, one of the choices you have to make is you have to have a budget. Every single one of us. Whether you're a guy making minimum wage, 20 hours a week, or whether you have a big company, you should have some sort of budget. And you should have, with that budget, you should see how much you spend on a yearly basis. And then you need to replace how much you spend on a yearly basis in retirement from age 60 to 100 because you no longer have income that has that spending tie towards it. So that's what the show's all about. And I can, you know, make it as simple as saying, you know, Max out your 401K, your 403 b or 457. I could say, make sure you have insurance to replace your income in case you die. The tragedies that I've heard from families just from doing this show are epic. And they're never expected. And that's kind of what I brought up, that story about, you know, the, the teenage kid you know, bringing a knife to school and slashing 40 students. And there's great stories of heroism. Like one kid knew, pull a fire alarm. Get as many students out of the school as possible. One assistant principal knew, I have to stop this because I'm a bigger body than he is. Um, And he stopped it. There's great... There's just epic strangeness that happens. Bizarre events. Trees. Um, I know a tree branch that fell one night, smashed a car. What if that tree branch had broken while that guy was getting in or out of his car. Dead, right? So look around your house. Look around at da- potential dangers. And again, they're not lurking, but you can see them. An old oak tree? Consider getting an arborist out to take a look at you know the safety of it. If it falls on your house in the middle of the night, smash, you may be gone. So financial wealth and financial freedom, and I, I hate using the word financial freedom because I think it's incredibly... The only word for it is, I can't say on air. But I think people who say, like, get yourself to financial freedom, I think they're sleazy. But I'm going to talk about getting yourself to financial freedom so that you have the ability to do what you want in your life. At an upcoming event in Brewing Game, April 26. and I don't talk about wealth preservation. That's not my game. CFP Chad Burton does. That's his game. He's much better at it than me. You know, for me to talk about inflation rates and, and building in your assumptions and, you know, market returns of how much do you leave, do you do want to leave your kids or not, it's all talked about. we got two events coming up in Burlingame April 26th. I handle the first one pretty much so exclusively. He handles the second one pretty much so exclusively. We, we, we support each other, but from a distance. Um, I do want people to enjoy their life and their money. And that's one of the things I don't talk about enough is I want to retire and be a grandfather who gives grandchildren a lot of money. $10 in a hand, pick a hand, either hand, both have $10 in it. Because that's what my grandfather did. His was a dollar. His was a quarter. (laughs) Obviously, for inflation, I'm adjusting it higher. Um, But to me, being a great-grandfather is is like a driver. Because grandparents could do no fault. I had a grandparent email me yesterday asking about funding a, a 529 for his kids' college, his grandkids' college. I'm like, congratulations on being a grandfather. Downside is he needs to talk to the parents, his children, before getting involved with the grandchildren's financial issues. But his heart's in the right place. We'll take a break here. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. A lot of great downloads at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com.